0: We have hundreds of lessons with almost every aspect of the industry. Start your free month today at schoolofbookkeeping.com. Well, welcome again to another Workshop Wednesdays brought to you by schoolofbookkeeping.com, where it's casual conversations for serious workflows, and there's nothing more serious than a deadline. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so we have, uh, we have joining us today, John Malloy from, uh, practice protect. He's playing the part of Carrie count today, uh, because Carrie's on vacation. So we're, we're going to have this conversation about this FTC deadline. That's, uh, that's looming over, uh, over the, uh, the accounting tax, uh, tax industry. And we'll talk a little bit about what, what that means, uh, for accounting practitioners. So John, you want to talk a little bit about, uh, just give a little introduction about um uh, who you are what what uh i mean you're you're in tomorrow which is really an interesting
1: <laughs> Yeah, from the
0: future <laughs>
1: yeah hello hello from a future yes so um yeah i'm uh so i'm johnson I'm, I'm based in australia so hence why i'm a little bit ahead in terms of terms of time zones so yeah really excited for this conversation um so a a bit about me so i I work at practice protect um and at practice protect we are um, america's largest cybersecurity platform for cpas um, bookkeepers and cas firms um really why we exist and how we came about is because cybercrime is is increasing um i've been with practice protect for six years now and Every year I've been with Practice Protect has been a record year for cybercrime. It's just been growing exponentially. Records have been broken year on year. So the risk is really increasing. And as well, at the same time, you've got the compliance red tape and the different regulations that firms have to comply with increasing too. So that's really why we exist to try to help firms navigate this. Um, so and try to give them a simple way to reduce their
0: risk and ensure compliance. So, what what really uh, we just kind of unpack, and we really just want to talk a real high level of what what constitutes a cyber crime. Like uh, when we talk about cybersecurity, when we talk about crime. Are we are we talking like scams? Are we talking about uh, hijack? Are we all of the above? You know, where where people get their login uh, compromise, those types of things. What, what, what is a, you know, let use air quotes, cybercrime?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And it, it really is all the, all the above. So cybercrime is an extremely broad term to describe a way in which a crime could take place online. Um, but it could even be not just online. It could be over your phone getting an SMS message. And there's a huge, there's a wide range in which cybercrime, um, could take place. Um, When I'd say if we're zeroing in on on this industry, so with bookkeeping, CAS, accountants, really the vast majority of scams and where we see firms most targeted is around email. And that's an area where we see most of these taking place. Um, That's also backed up by the statistics as well. So Um, The FBI released a report last year, which is the ICC, so the Internet Crimes Commission report. And it was looking at the most um, costly scams to the economy. And it was actually really interesting when you broke down and saw which scams were the costliest. And um, it was actually surprising seeing the difference in totals. And the most costly scam to the economy was business email compromise. So those email scams, phishing scams, the payroll scams we see so much of. That cost the U.S. economy $2.4 billion in 2021. Wow. Yeah. And uh, then the next highest scam, which is by far and away the highest, the next highest scam was investment-related scams. It was about $1.2 billion. And then it was interesting because also when people talk about cybercrime a lot, really the scam which comes to mind first and foremost is ransomware. Um, because mm-hmm. of the damage that can do. I think everyone's familiar with what ransomware is and has heard of big businesses being taken down by ransomware. But when you looked at that in the report, it was actually a lot lower down. It was still a large amount of money. I think it was 500 million, but a lot less than uh, in business email compromise. And that's really what we're seeing as well in this space is that emails are really the number
0: one target. Yeah, we have a we have a blog on uh, schoolofbookkeeping.com because we get that question a lot about um, you know QuickBooks emails or you know people getting emails that they're not sure uh, if they're from uh, to it and we have like you know four four steps to try to dissect an email and see, and see if mm. it is but you know these uh, these fraudsters are just getting so clever. <laughs> um, you know, and, and making it look like, you know, it's legit. That's a legitimate email. Um, I had read an article and, and I wanted to get your, your take about it, that, um, there was, uh, with, with regards to, uh, you know, cause some people, some people get an email and they can see, you know, misspellings, grammar mistakes, you know, those types of things. Uh, but I read an article that was talking about those things are there intentionally, uh, to actually uh, kind of vet uh, the their their intended mark, so to speak, right? Like if you're not if you're not uh, aware that something's misspelled or you know uh, you know the grammatical errors uh, in, in in an email, that's the kind of person who would actually click on something and give away you know sensitive information like their login or or social security number. Do you do you find that that is uh, uh, make sense, or is that uh, in, in what you do?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think when when we're talking about email scams, um, there's really, I guess, if I'm if I'm quite broad, there's probably two broad classifications of the kind of email scams that are being sent out. So there is the um, ones which are kind of like indirect mass emails, and those are the ones where a hacker would go on, and uh, they can you can get pretty much online on the dark web, you can get lists of email addresses and there are basically hacking automation systems. Okay. So the similar as you could use MailChimp to send out marketing emails, hackers have a similar kind of system to send out scam emails. So they can send out hundreds of thousands of these scam emails very, very quickly. And we do see that with some of them, yes, as you've said, they may have grammatical errors like littered through them um, to, yep, I guess almost qualify um, the the lead or qualify the the, um, the, the target for them. Um, yeah. So there's um, there's that aspect. So that's like a broad, um, indirect one. But we what we're seeing and what we're seeing on the rise is more direct scams, and that's what we're seeing targeting um, accountants, bookkeepers, and cas firms more. Because what would often happen is a hacker would get access to somebody's Office 365. So whether they have coerced or tricked that person into handing over the password, or it may be that they've cracked a weak password. um, Once they then log in, we're seeing that hackers now are a lot more targeted. Okay, So it used to be that a hacker would get into someone's inbox and they'd send out a mass email blast to all of their contacts just with a ransomware Mm -hmm. file. Now they're getting a bit more smarter and more tactical because the payout is larger. And what we're really seeing on the rise is, um, to use that term earlier, I was talking about business email compromise. So what happens is they've they've compromised someone's inbox and then they're targeting specific individuals. There's a higher payout there. So they'll send an email to the um, CAS advisor, asking them to send payroll to a different account or asking them to send an invoice Mm. to a different account and i've heard of multiple instances of this and some transfers you know upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars going to the wrong places
0: wow yeah. um yeah and do you find that i guess i guess it's part of the challenge is uh you know there's 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 some that are you know targeted specifically for one task and then there's other that are kind of like mining certain data to go to the next the next level and, and trying to determine which ones which is kind of maddening i guess from a <laughs> from a, a from an inbox perspective Like, i can't tell which is with you know what they're actually trying to get at um with, with you know with, with an email coming in like that is i mean is that something that you're seeing um a trend on you know where where things are going more towards you know mining a little bit of information to get to the next phase or is it more of like a, a blast like like you were saying where I, I just I just want your log
1: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely well I think I think there's the two so there's there's the blasts which are generic you know um, pretending to be from Intuit pretending to be from Office 365 trying to get you to hand over your information but then once they have Uh, So trying to get you to hand over your username or your password. But really what we're seeing on the rise is the more targeted ones. So once they get into somebody's inbox, then that's when they are a lot more targeted. And there's so much information about us all online. So through LinkedIn, through our company websites, Mm. through all of the different areas. And hackers can use that to build up a profile. They also, once they're in someone's inbox, they'll go through and see who they communicate, how they communicate, and then they'll craft the perfect email to get them to change to transfer to the wrong yeah. inbox and we're also seeing that i know you, you spoke earlier about they put in deliberate grammar uh, grammatical error, um errors but what we're also seeing changes that with some new tools so with um, ai tools it's easier for yeah. hackers to write compelling emails without any mistakes at all,
0: yeah. all right. Yeah, that was, uh, that was going to be my next question. You know, like, how is these, how are these tools like AI, um, you know, being leveraged by them? Because, you know, I, it's, it's, I'm seeing all this, this stuff coming. And it's almost like, um, I'm going to use a Dan analogy here. Um, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like AI is alcohol, right? It enhances the, uh, the, the person personality of the person using it so if you're a happy-go-lucky person get a little alcohol in you you're you're a much happier person but if you're a jerk and you you get a little drunk you get you're 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 an a hole right (laughs) so you know in the in the hands of someone who is a hacker i can see this being like a i mean now they have a lot more tools tools at their disposal is that is that what you're seeing in your in your industry?
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and the the main the main use case and, and what we've seen is it's been used to firstly it's been used to like I guess reverse engineer some some hacks. So there are some different articles online that are showing how people have used it to say um, I'm a software developer. Um, I want to write a protection for this bug. And then they've kind of used it to it to tell them some weaknesses and some softwares. But another use case that I've seen, and just going back to what I was saying earlier, is using it to craft more compelling conversations. Okay, so for yeah. instance, I think that most people have played around with ChatGPT, got it to write like test emails, write different social posts or whatever, I've got it to write content and hackers can use it in the same way. So if they get access to somebody's inbox, they can file in just like give it some emails yeah. for context and be like, okay, like, write me in yeah. right i'm the accountant for wendy write me an email yeah. requesting an invoice and it would
0: help that and it, it out say this me. like say this like i would yeah and then and then it's it's undistinguishable from the receiver uh whether it was actually written by that that person or not that's man yeah <laughs> i'm getting scared <laughs> the, more, the more i'm talking to you uh <laughs> So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about these uh, FTC compliance uh, uh, safeguard rules. Uh, so the, there's a there's a deadline looming, which uh, for you is tomorrow, uh, but, <laughs> but for uh, but for everyone in the United States is the the ninth. So what it, what is uh, what is the safeguard uh, rule, and um, what does it mean to uh, you know to people in the accounting industry?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sure so the, the safeguards rule so the, the full name of it is it's the standard for safeguarding customer information and really it's there to provide guidelines um, for businesses on what they should do to protect customer information um, so the, the rules actually been around for a long time it was first introduced in 2003 but it was then updated in 2021 and in 2021 is when the ftc really added a lot more meat to the bones Um, with more direct guidelines about what businesses should and shouldn't do. And as part of that, they also set a deadline for compliance, which has been pushed back, but the new deadline and the current deadline for it is the 9th of June. Um, So that is when firms should be compliant with some of the requirements. So it's not absolutely everything in the safeguards rule. There are certain
0: requirements in there. So what is that? Uh, I mean, it, you know, the, the 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 buzz, right, that I'm seeing on you know social media and things like, you know, people that are that are talking about this or you're saying, well, th- this only deals with tax preparation, uh, tax preparers and things like that. Now, I'm a bookkeeper or I'm an accountant, accounting professional, um, you know, cast provider of, of services, advisory services doesn't apply to me. Is that is that? true false somewhere yeah. in between
1: yeah good question so it's it's somewhere oh, it, i'd say it's more on the false side so because if right. you if you look at the definition from the ftc um and it, the definition is quite quite broad so i think that might be where some of the um where, where this is coming what? in a
0: definition yeah. from the government um, yeah. not being explicit <laughs> yeah. who
1: would have thought that <laughs> yeah um Because so, and I think also there's been a lot of education for tax uh, preparers due to the IRS 4557 guidelines, which is about safeguarding taxpayer data. And also there was the change to form W12 on the um, PETA application where tax agents have to sign off to say they have a data security plan. So there's been lots of education there. But anyway, if we go back to these guidelines, really the rules are, uh, but the FTC safeguards all applies to financial institutions. And if you look at their definition of a financial institution, it says that that is a business that is engaged in an activity that is financial in nature. So if you're looking at that, then yes, bookkeeping CAS firms would fall under this because of the nature of their work.
0: So do they have to have uh, data uh, like, do they have to have access to the data or do they have to have, like, like, what would, you know, a bookkeeping professional or accounting professional, CAS provider, uh, what, what, uh, what threshold do they have to cross in order to be considered that, uh, that financial institution definition? Like, what, do they have to have uh, access to the company files or, do, like, if they do, like, remote support work, like, do they go on site? They don't have the they don't have their data does that does that exclude them from these these things or is it more just at any point if you touch and and do something financial in nature like I go in my clients bank feed in QuickBooks online does that make me you know does that qualify me as as maybe mm-hmm. exposing me to these uh, to needing these uh, guidelines yeah yeah good question and it's not because yeah, Su- not Su- Susan Susan asked the same thing. What about support people? No accounting, no bookkeeping.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, good question. And it's, it's about, um, it's not really as explicit as saying whether you hold or whether you um, access it. It's about the security of customer information. So under that broader term, if you're accessing it, then you'd have to secure your access to it. But I think to answer that, I'd, like to make another uh, just quote the FTC somewhere else because what they're saying is that when you're implementing this your program should be written down and it should be appropriate to the scale and size of your business uh, the complexity of your business and the scope of the activities and the information at issue so what they're saying is that it should be appropriate to the size of your business so if you're not holding the data if you're not you know, you're just going into a client to access it. If you're accessing it online for a certain area, then obviously the scale and scope and the complexity of that is far shorter. So you do obviously still need to review your security. You need to consider these things, but it would be far less in depth and involved than if you're oh. um, holding the data.
0: So so what are the, gui- like, what is the outcome of, of these guidelines? Like, um, like, what are they, what, what does a practitioner need to do to be in compliance when it when it comes to that do they have to what do they have to do mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah a... yeah yeah
1: great question that's really the, the million dollar question is okay so what what do yeah. I have to do so I can I'll, I'll drop a, a link into the into the chat so because there is eight specific requirements um am I, am I able to do that drop the link
0: into the chat? Yeah. Yeah. If you just either want to put it in the private chat and then Landon can put it in yeah. okay, or perfect. you can throw it right in the, the chat either way. I'll just drop it
1: there. Perfect. So yeah, so I've just dropped a link into the chat. So what that is, is it's from, from the FTC themselves saying, these are the eight requirements for firms to be be compliant with. So really it's, it's reviewing that. And as I said, taking steps and measures of that, which is appropriate to the size and the scope of your business. Okay, so if you are running, you know, a large multinational company, you've got 500 plus employees, obviously, you would have to be very involved. But if it's yourself, if you've got a small team, then you do still need to do something. You should still obviously consider your security, review the guidelines, take steps for them. But it wouldn't be obviously be as long. It's not going to be a 60, 70 page plan.
0: Yeah. Now here we are, you know, two days prior to this guideline and maybe somebody is, is, is looking at this and going, okay, well maybe I need to do something. Do I have to get it done by this deadline? (laughs) Right. Like, or what do I got to do? You know, what, what are the ramifications if I don't get it done by the deadline? What, what is, what will happen? You know, is, am I going to shut off? Am I going to get fined? What, what, what's the, what's Mm -hmm. the outcome there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And look, there's not, like a submissions date if you will so there's not like you have to submit what you've done and it's not as if someone from the FTC is going to be turning up on your doorstep <laughs> on the 10th with a, <laughs> no. not, not with a, with a clipboard um, yeah so that it's not going to be policed in that sense um, and they haven't they haven't as of yet announced any fines for non-compliance But what we are seeing and what we've seen with other cybersecurity guidelines is that it really gets policed most in the aftermath of a breach. Okay, so it's not so much that we've seen them proactively checking as of yet, but we have seen there have been instances where businesses have been breached and because they haven't followed the guidelines, because they haven't put in steps to reduce risk, it's often meant that they haven't been compliant with their cyber insurance policy. So I've seen there have been multiple instances where businesses have been breached, lost large sums of money, and because they haven't followed guidelines, because they haven't put data security measures in place, their insurance hasn't paid out. Which, I mean, it makes sense. It's like if you went on a holiday and you left every window open, your content insurance (laughs) isn't gonna pay out. So it's the same principle. So we've seen people there and we have also seen in the wake of breaches, there have been fines for some larger businesses for not taking the correct steps and following due process.
0: Got it. So it, it, it you know, like you said, like uh, you don't have to have automobile insurance um, until you get in an accident, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah. don't have that that insurance. Well, then there's ramifications for that when you do, you know, get in, get into mm-hmm. it. Right? the worst case scenario happens, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, and that's that's what I'm really trying to stress to firms is that there's, the one thing that, which you shouldn't do is to do nothing. Um, it's about taking a look at these and keep in mind that that quote should be appropriate to the scale and size of your business and just start taking smaller steps. Like I'm conscious it's the, the eve of the deadline now. So there are different steps to take. Um, maybe every one on here if you haven't already started it wouldn't get everything done by the ninth but it's about starting that and starting to follow follow the correct
0: process so i think i think that's that's part of the the, the the million dollar question right it's like you know you know as you as you're saying this i'm like i'm getting scared i should i should do something what is the first step to take like where do where do i begin because you know a a a government website is is just like dropping me off at the deep end, <laughs> deep end of the pool. I need some help, right? Like, how, how would how would I be able to take that first step? And who could help me uh, if I if I wanted that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think definitely consult consult the guidelines. And have a look at those. Also, um, I wouldn't. Uh, also, this is an area where we're helping firms as well. I would just I'll drop another link into the chat because we do have because one of the first steps in this is putting together a information security plan, which does encompass a lot of this. So you've got a written information security plan. Um, We've got a template which has been available for a long time to all of our clients, and we are making this available to, to all firms now. So I've dropped a link in the chat so people could go online and make a download that information security plan. And that would provide the outline for you to start to comply with some of these requirements. So two of the eight requirements here are around developing a written risk assessment and also an incident response plan. And the document, which I've just dropped into the chat, if you go on and download that, would, uh, would assist with um, those couple of requirements
0: that's a, that's a huge help. I mean, I was like, what, <laughs> what do I need to, you know, what are my outcomes of, of, of this? And, uh, you know, that, that, that is a, a certainly a, a great place to start. And, uh, John, you're going to join me on the QB power hour, uh, in July. And we're well aware that that's past the deadline, <laughs> but we'll kind of, that's kind of like what we'll be talking about is like, you know, okay, I missed the deadline. What can I do now? You know, type of thing. And so, um, I think uh, you know for for uh, more information right if you want to uh, anybody who's who's watching today if you want to get more information later in july when we have that uh, have that webinar john will be back and his lovely australian accent uh, <laughs> <laughs> will be joining us then too yeah
1: yeah awesome yeah
0: is there um is there anything else that you wanted to to kind of mention, uh, talk about uh, briefly. I know we're we're just real high level here, you know, talking about these uh, security risks and making everybody uh, on the verge of panic. Uh, <laughs> with, yeah, with all of these things. But uh, anything we, you can, you, you want to uh, touch on?
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, and I think, I think just really the my, my final comment would be, um, I think when it comes to cybersecurity and when and we when we look at these requirements. It can, be, it can be overwhelming, okay? And I guess like really what I'd want to say like an emphasize is that when it comes to cybersecurity, it's about doing something appropriate, like to quote the FTC, appropriate to the size of your business, okay? You can't just do nothing. You do need to put measures in place, but when it comes to cybersecurity, you can put in place simple, low cost, easy measures and dramatically reduce the risk to your business. OK, so if we're looking at what one of the biggest risks to businesses is it's passwords. OK, 80% roughly 80% of breaches start with a compromised or hacked password. So putting in place some simple measures and security around that for you and your team, accessing your client information is going to significantly reduce that risk. OK, so that's just really what I'd, what I'd emphasize is that I know that it can seem overwhelming. It's like for me when I sit down and look at my taxes, it's <laughs> overwhelming. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know where to start because I'm not, I'm not a tax professional. Okay, and I, and I think it's similar mm-hmm. for for accountants, for CPAs, bookkeepers. But you're not cybersecurity professionals, so it can seem like there's a different language and different jargon. But just really want to emphasise that there are quick, easy wins uh, that firms can implement. Yeah. And look, also, this is an area where where we do help as a business. I mean, Practice Protect, um, this is exactly what we do and where we assist. So if I could just drop one more link into the chat, if anyone does want any more help, if you're not sure exactly where to start, if you want some more guidelines around the requirements, um, head to our website. You can book in a call with one of our cybersecurity experts and we can give you some assistance and point you in the right direction
0: at the start. All right. Well, I don't know whether I should thank you John or not because you you've scared the bejesus Jesus out of me. Uh so I imagine <laughs> I imagine it's it's like like the same for for others that are that are watching. But it is important, right? And and like you said, uh the worst thing to do is nothing. And uh you know, at least we have some um breadcrumb trails to 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 help some folks out and I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, here today on the workshop and we'll look forward to uh everyone joining us uh next time that we have a a workshop and um yeah yeah, susan (laughs) she said you're not alone (laughs) and then she's scared as well sky as well and i've i've been a victim of identity uh fraud right and uh you know my, my password has been compromised. I have a, a, a tax pin that I have to get every time that I do my, my taxes because of that. So, you know, it, it's only elevating the fact that <laughs> these things are are out there. Um, and, you know, with, with the, the, the state of the world, the way things are with AI and everything, it just makes it more, more complicated, more scary. Uh, but it's good to know that there are... Uh, you know, companies like like Practice Protect that, that are out there so that we can feel a little more rest assured that we have our security measures in place so these things don't happen. Uh, John, uh, thank you again for for joining us and, and everybody who's, who's joined us today on the workshop and we'll look forward to chatting with you again.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thanks, everyone. See you soon.